Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack. We're all on the show today. Uh, it's off-season time for the Oregon football program. Uh, and what that means is we transition to kind of looking ahead, looking to what's to come for Oregon football. And today we're going to look at the offensive two deep. Uh, later on, we'll do a two deep of the defense. Eric handles the offensive side of the football. Jared does the defense. Uh, so today we're breaking down Eric's way too early top, not top 25, way too early two deep prediction for the 2024 football season. Real quick, uh, before we dive into the position groups, Eric, um, were there some positions that this was just like automatic, and were there other ones that like you like, literally had to think hard on? Because I think there were some that were like, this is going to be really easy to make. Yeah, I, there's going to be three position groups that are just no-brainers, and w- those are self-explanatory when we get there. Um, I think the starting five for every single position group, or the starting group, I'm giving it away here because I'm talking offensive line. I think the starting 11, to me, is pretty set in stone. I didn't have a whole lot of debate. It was trying to figure out the depth. I guess I'll just spoil it. At wide receiver and offensive line, there are some question marks for me in what's behind the starters. But I didn't have a – this is a much easier exercise right now than I'm guessing it was for Jared on defense just because I know there's a couple position groups on defense where there's just a lot – a lot of newness, a lot of things in motion, a lot of, okay, are they done with this group or not? How does this work? So um, I feel like offense for the most part is a more finished product right now. And I know it's early than defense. And so no, honestly, this wasn't, and maybe people in the comments will be yelling at me saying that I, I screwed up a bunch of things, but this was pretty easy with the exception of a couple of, is this the right person that this position in terms of backups like it was pretty self-explanatory i think overall though should i just jump in at quarterback yeah go for it that's that's why you write the qb here so how i figured we do this and i was just telling you guys before uh i'm gonna run through my first team my second team give a little explanation and then i'll ask you guys if you agree disagree i think we're gonna agree on quarterback and then the last question for each group will be are there portal at does it make sense to add somebody else is are there more needs at this group um, let's start at quarterback, which is probably about as easy as it is at this of any of these, at least. Um, Oregon, I thought, and I wrote this, hit the jackpot in the portal at quarterback. I, I didn't really at the time think there had been a scenario similar to this where you add your future young quarterback along with an experienced starter and have them both be of this caliber. Ohio State has kind of done that as well in the last couple of days, adding Julian Sand from, from Alabama. Um, to go along with the Kansas State transfer, whose name will is it? No, Howard. Thank you. Uh, so there's been a little bit of, I guess, replicating what Oregon has done, but I think this is a really unique situation, and I think a really exciting one for Oregon. You bring in a player with Gabriel, who, as I wrote in the story, uh, sixth career in NCAA, or sorry, eighth career in NCAA passing yards. 
um, who's won, I think, at least 10 games at two different schools. He started 49 games. Um, I wrote in here as well, like if, if anybody wanted to, to push, like, well, maybe they should go with one of the younger guys. I don't think there's many people who feel that way. Uh, Gabriel has over 3,600 career snaps, and Dante Moore and Austin Novosad, who are the young kind of challengers, have a combined like 450 snaps. So just to put it in perspective here, Gabriel's played like nine times the snaps these guys have. So uh, Gabriel I have as a starter, Dante Moore I have as the backup. I'm sure there are some who'd love to see Austin Novosad fill in there. I don't really see the argument. Moore was the more highly regarded prep prospect. Moore also has had uh, more starting experience, started five games at UCLA last year, had some nice moments at that point. So um, Gabriel Moore as my one-two, I'm guessing you guys are totally fine with that, but is anybody would anybody slot Novosad ahead of Moore, I guess? I wouldn't. Um, we don't know what Austin Novosad is yet. And for Dante Moore, for all of the struggles that he had last season, um, he actually had starting experience. He started a bunch of games for UCLA last year, and you kind of know what he is as a quarterback, at least coming into this season. His, uh, you know, what he'll do in the future is, you know, to be determined. But uh, as for Austin Novosad, um, other than some snaps in the Fiesta Bowl and some snaps earlier in the season, I like I don't know what type of player he is. So, and maybe he is better than Dante Moore. I don't know. We'll we'll find out eventually. But uh, as of now, yeah, it's Gabriel and Moore. I think the only question that you have at quarterback from a backup perspective is does Dante more redshirt or does he play like mm. more, than, more than four games if the opportunity presents itself? And judging by the fact that they're going to play Idaho and Oregon State into the first three weeks, no offense to Oregon State, but feels like those are two games that could easily become blowout scenarios. Uh, and then you know, other games in the Big Ten could dictate that as well. But th I think that's really my only question at, at QB. To, is Dante Moore the true number two, or do we see Austin Novoset with the or because they're trying to redshirt him? That's like the only way I think Austin uh, Novoset plays is if they deem a, more a redshirt and he gets to that point where it's, okay, well, he can't play any more games. Now Novoset comes in. It's a good point, Matt, too, because obviously Nova said just has used his redshirt year this last year, so that's not an option for him or did not use his at UCLA. So if they were to get really creative, I guess, in terms of the eligibility windows, that would make sense. The other question I'd have is, like, do you think there's a shot Nova says not even on the roster by the time we get to fall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a real possibility. I mean, quarterbacks come and go, and this is a guy that – they clearly pivoted when they lost more, and now they've added the guy that they lost to bring Novosad in. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I've not heard anything that he's going to, but it, it shouldn't be out of the realm of surprises for Oregon fans. For I a mean, lot of other I'd, guys, too. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised, though, because Oregon's just bringing in one guy, Luke Moga, who yeah. we all know isn't isn't ready for the college experience. And if they are planning on redshirting Dante Moore, I'm – pretty sure they're going to come to that conclusion in the spring or over the winter, or they're not going to be like on a random Wednesday, be like, you know, redshirting Dante Moore sounds like a good idea. It's going to be a pre-planned thing. And they're going to tell Austin Novosad, like, Hey, you're going to be the number two. Cause we're going to redshirt Dante Moore. Um, like again, like anybody on God's beautiful green earth can enter the portal and we'll never know as to why sometimes, but it could happen. I would, I would just be surprised. I think that, you know, the, the redshirt point's a good one, but I also think that, um, 
if he leaves, he's not going to have any tape. And if he has some tape this year and against Big Ten opponents and going against practice at Oregon, uh, I think that'll look better. Plus, it's just another year of development under Will Stein. Yeah, my, and my counter to my own to the own point would be uh, about him leaving would be uh, where is he going? Where he's going to play more? Like the answer is probably down a level or two. And at that point, is that really the trajectory you want to go on for immediate play? Maybe it is. I don't know. To to your point, Jared, we, we it's hard sometimes to explain all these decisions, but. I'm not anticipating one. I, I get it in terms of the odds of Novosad winning real playing time this year are pretty low. And I think long-term, the odds of him winning the starting job at Oregon happen to be kind of low based upon Dante Moore being on the roster going forward. I think Achilles Smith Jr. is an exciting young quarterback prospect. Probably isn't somebody you expect to see on the field to like 2027. Um, but I just think if you're Novosad, it probably will eventually be hit the portal. I, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense this I, year. I also think to just counter my own red shirt thing with Dante Moore, that if you're Oregon and you think in three years, he's off to the NFL, right. Pl- play him now. Who cares if he's going to red shirt or not, you know, yeah. use those two or three extra games that he possibly could get in now because he's going to be gone in two years anyways. So, you know, I, to counter my own point, like I, I think there's a real possibility he actually doesn't redshirt. It, it's going to be one that probably is decided during fall camp um, to see how long, far along he, he is. But there's also that element too. Agreed. And then the last question, and I guess I think the answer is really self-explanatory. They've already used two scholarships in the portal at this position. So Jared's already shaking his head. We'll preempt that question and just say the answer is they will not be taking another portal quarterback. Right. Yeah, we can go to running backs. All right, running back it is. Okay, that thought was pretty obvious. All right, uh, running back, this is also fairly obvious. I'll be curious to see if we have any pushback on the order here. I almost ordered this position. Um, I have Jordan James as the number one running back with Noah Whittington as the number two. Um, I'll talk a little about this, and then we can get into the order and maybe some other names that will factor in here, we think. But uh Whittington's health, and I know this was a pretty serious knee injury, talking to some people and having seen him kind of on crutches throughout parts of the season, on a scooter through other parts um, around the HDC. Like this was not a, a, a you know, a, a, an ankle sprain or something. This was a, I think there were ligaments torn. This is going to take some time to recover and get back to full strength. So part of the uh, the calculus here of having him two behind James is just the health part. But in general, I, I think you have to be really excited by the fact that you have these two players. I mean, uh, you know, Jordan James by the end of this last season was one of the conference's most um, projective running backs. He was uh, first in yards per carry, third in rushing touchdowns, 11th in rushing yardage. Um, I thought Jordan James looked like an ascendant star by the end of the year. And then there were, I know some folks who thought in the Pac-12 championship game that maybe playing him a little bit more or featuring him a little bit more over Bucky, who was, I think, pretty clearly dealing with some health stuff would have been for the benefit of the team. And I don't know if I fall in that group because I think when you've got a player like Bucky Irving, you ride your studs. But um, I get it because of Jordan James's talent. That was really loud. Somebody above me. Uh, I don't know what that was. Uh, not in my apartment. Uh, someone above. Looks like something like they dropped a hammer. Um, so I, I love the Jordan James element here. I think if you go back and watch Noah Whittington pre-injury in 2023 and then obviously his tape in 2022, you're reminded of just how good he was. Uh, like I just recently um, watched some of the highlight packages from early on in the season. I was like, oh, yeah, 
Noah Whittington was just really explosive and really fun to watch. He should be a part of this offense going forward, obviously. So I have those two grouped together, and we can get into what I think of Jay Harris or thoughts on Jaden Lamar or Jawan Riggs, and if we think they factor into the rotation much. But I think it's clearly those two atop it. And I'll just ask you guys, Jared, do you agree with the order, or would you put Noah ahead of Jordan? I'm I'm fine with the order. I think Jordan is the starter. Um, I think with how Oregon uses their running backs, there's not really like a a true starter. They like to diversify their running back, like their backfield, and have a have at least three guys come in every single game. Um, you know, it got interesting towards the end of last year after no Noah Whittington's injury it really became a two man with uh, Bucky Irving and Jordan James. And, and honestly, the last three games of the year, it really just became Bucky Irving. Like he was taking 70, 80% of the snaps. Um, and that's not to say anything bad about Jordan James, because I agree with you, Eric. I think he's really good. I think that his ceiling is so substantially higher than Noah Whittington's that um, he's your starter. Like he should get the majority of the carries. But uh, to your to the last point you made about Whittington, like people forget he he was good. It's not that he was just like ah, you know, he was just a running back. Like no, he was he was good. He had 780 yards. He was averaging almost six yards a carry in his healthy season in 2022. Like those are good numbers, and I think he's a phenomenal backup running back. And that's not a diss. That's not a shun or anything like that. That's just happens to be his position because the talent around him is better. Um, but I think it's a great running back room. And for Whittington specifically, I think, um, you know, being injured in what was at the fourth game of the season is kind of beneficial because he has a full year to recuperate more or less. It's not like he got injured in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, you know, he's, he'll have a lot of time. We'll see if he's back to a hundred percent come fall camp, something like that. But um, it is a lot more time than if you were to have suffered this injury in the postseason. I am of the belief that Jordan James wound up being the best running back out of the three. Bucky being the third when all three careers are done. Um, I think he's also the better NFL guy than all three of them. Um, so, A, I'm not going to argue the fact that Jordan James is listed as the starter. But I will say, Jordan James led the conference – uh, in 2023 in yards per carry at 7.09 yards. Um, granted, it's a much smaller sample size. Noah Whittington's yards per carry was better, uh, 7.3. To Jared's point, he is a very good running back. This will be a by-committee approach. I think Jordan gets the bulk of the starts or maybe bulk of the carries, I should say, Um between the two of them, if there's going to be one guy that gets more than the other. Uh, but I'm more curious about, do we see Oregon um, lean on these two predominantly and they basically get the 30 or so carries per game? Or do we see that third back that's emerged the first two years for Carlos Lachlan, who used to be Jordan James, um, come from somebody else? You know, do we see an or get attached to the back end of the depth chart? I think that's the big question for me. And I don't I, I don't know. Jay Harris, but that's a D2 guy. I know he's an All-American, but it's still D2 football to Power 5 football. That's a huge jump. Is it Jaden Lamar? Is it Dewan Riggs? I, I don't know. I don't think an or gets attached, but I do think 
a third running back will be utilized in a role, and I expect it to be Jay Harris, just based upon some of the buzz that I've heard about him and how talented people at Oregon think he is and the ceiling with which they talk about him with, which is like pretty glowing from what I've heard and heard from a couple people. So I don't think you put an or, I still think it's James and Whittington, but I wouldn't be surprised if Harris is the third, I should say I would, would be surprised if anybody but Harris is a third running back. And I do think, I wouldn't be stunned at all by the end of the season if Harris is somebody you're going like, he should be involved more than he is. Or you're going like, wow, with how talented James and Whittington is, it's pretty impressive how involved Harris has become in this offense. I, I think it's, I think that's a kind of a sneaky name to just keep an eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if, again, if, if you come away from the season being like, wow, that Jay Harris kid's really, really good. He was, why did he start at Division II school? Which is a question I personally still kind of have and, and want to get sorted out before we get into spring football. Um, because you go watch what he does and it's really impressive. And you talk with people at Oregon and they're equally excited about what he could be. Yeah. There, I mean, there has to be a third running back. There's, there's not going to be uh, just with the talent that they have. And they went, uh, you know, they didn't have a really proven guy last year with Lamar or at the time Dante Dowdell to be their third guy. And so they relied heavily on um, just what, just, excuse me, Ir Irving and James, but this year they're going to have Lamar in the second year of the program. And then they're mm -hmm. going to have Jay Harris, like Eric just ran through. And then obviously Dewan Riggs is probably going to be that fifth string running back. Um, but what Harris provides is he's a different size and shape than everybody else. Like he's six foot two and he's 215, 220 pounds. Um, nobody else in Oregon's running back room is over like 5'11. I think Irving yeah. is the tallest. Like Noah Whittington is 5'9. Jordan James is 5'10, 5'11. He's right. going to be a different guy. I, I would kind of expect him to be. The Jordan James in uh, his freshman season, kind of like that power third down back, which given, you know, I, I talked to Jay Harris, had a good interview with him, given what he's told me about his own game, which again is probably a little bit inflated, but watching his highlights kind of feels uh, like they're not putting under the best use, but that shoot, that just might end up being his role. Just that's just because of his size and what the other guys do. Um, but yeah, I think Lamar and Harris are certainly going to have a role. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but um, you know, Jaden Lamar was clearly the number three when Whittington went down last year. So the number four, they liked him more than Dante Dowdell. He got into he got into the games earlier, um, and then Harris is going to add some. And then Dewan Riggs, I still think is a good little sleeper prospect, but he's going to need some time to, you know, get little acclimated. Excuse me to the Division One level. I do like Riggs too, just to, and I like Lamar just because I, I I zoomed past both of those to focus on Harris. But um, Riggs is really different from not to spend too much time here because I don't think he matters at all in twenty three or twenty four, I should say. But Man. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but he's really explosive and really versatile, and I, I kind of think he's almost like he could be used almost like as a slot type of receiver based upon his skill set. I thought he will be. Like he has that sort of athleticism and, and pass catching ability to be pretty versatile. Okay. Um, probably the same answer, but any need for yeah, a portal no. out here? No. No. All right. <laughs> Didn't think so. There might not be very many positions, period, on offense where there's any need for portal ads, just to say that right now as we kind of move to receiver. Um, yeah. Yeah. Organs, and because we're getting to a position group where they have used one addition, and I, Think it's a really good one here um so i will run through my starting three for wide receiver and this is pretty obvious oregon receipt uh returns gary bryant jr last year starting z receiver they returned 
Tez Johnson, last year's slot receiver. Those guys I have returning as starters. I think that's pretty much the way it'll play out. Um, maybe Treshawn pushes Gary and, and, and leaps him for that spot. Those two played pretty similar snaps, had very similar stats. I, I think those are that's kind of like a 1A, 1B situation at Z. But um, Gary did start every game and out snaps Treshawn, so I think it's fair to have him there. Evan Stewart, the Texas A&M transfer, I have him day one starter at X. I don't think that's remotely controversial. This is a guy who was and remains a five-star in 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings. Uh, I, I, was he number five now? Because they've added a couple Alabama guys were added. So I think he's the fifth-ranked player, correct? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, number one. Sure. Yeah. You know, big-time receiver, was a five-star out of high school. Uh, we've talked, we kind of do the spiel with him on, on Friday, so I won't belabor it, but I, I think he's pretty clearly your starter. And this is kind of where things get interesting for me because I I have as the backup X's two two players here, Jurion Dickey and Kyler Casper. Um, I have Treshawn, as I said, as the backup Z, and I have Gary as the backup slot receiver. Um, maybe somebody else pushes Gary off of that slot spot that I have there. I, that was more of just a placeholder, and maybe one of you guys can give me like, a, oh, I think it's going to be – Ryan Pelham or something like that. And I'll be like, okay, maybe. Um, but I couldn't come up with a better name than Gary right now. If I were to choose between Jerry on Dickey and Kyler Casper, I'd probably choose Dickey just up based upon the upside, but we have to acknowledge Casper was ahead of Dickey all year on that depth chart and was really the team's number five receiver, even though that would basically meant he played like 120 snaps all season. Um, so I, I think that's the way it plays out. I'm not as confident clearly with this group as I were with the uh, past two when you get into the, the reserve section of this. But I think the starting three is pretty locked in stone, and I'm I'm pretty comfortable with the names I have selected there. Um, I don't know. Anything else? What do you think, Jared? Any, any changes? No, uh, at least not to the starters. Um, I think Gary Bryan is a clear Z. I, like. You know, he played 100 more snaps than Treshawn Holden, and that was missing the Pac-12 championship game and you know, yeah. playing some of the Fiesta Bowl after uh, you know Oregon was up by a million. So I think he's a clear Z. He's a good run blocker, and that's why I think Oregon uses him a lot. And he's you know he's effective in the pass game. They don't they didn't use him a ton, but they they might be using him more this year just without Troy Franklin. Um, but Evan Stewart, clear X, talked about that on the Transfer Portal podcast. Obviously, Tez Johnson, we know, is the slot, um, and it could be very good. Uh, backup's a little hairy. I'm just like, you know, where's a guy like Jeremiah McClellan fit in? Because he's right. more talented than a lot of guys on the current roster and could slide in at the Z, could slide in at the X. I think he, you know, physically is, is somebody who could totally take over at the X. Um, but you know, Trayshawn Holden's obviously the backup Z, but also played a lot in the slot this past mm -hmm. season. So I think that was something to kind of monitor and look towards this year. They kind of move him around. He seems to be their Swiss Army knife, and he's got the physique to play X as well. Um, Jurion and Kyler, I don't know. I don't either. I, we, I, we haven't seen him do anything, literally like anything on the football field for both of them. I think they had the same catch total from last year, like one. Um, so <laughs> we'll see. But I, I still think the top the top four is pretty darn good. That's pretty darn good, and you're going to be okay with that. And like we said in the Transfer Portal podcast, um, you know, Junior Adams does not like to play more than four guys in the last two years that he's been here. 
this is be the this will be like the real first season where he's going to have maybe six or seven dudes that could find their way onto a football field and and perform well. So we'll we'll see what the rotation looks like. But uh, for the for the two deep, I think you're fine. There's just there's going to be some question marks, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, spring ball will dictate a lot of this. We'll sure. learn a lot. We'll learn more of just kind of who fits where. And, you know, just to play devil's advocate, like we talked about on the portal one on Friday about how they don't have like the body type for an X, like Evan Stewart's a little bit smaller than, than, uh, Troy Franklin was from a height perspective. Um, from just devil's advocate, like why wouldn't you maybe put Trayshawn at the X and put Stewart at the Z and, you know, move Gary to kind of the Swiss army knife because he can't play slot. He can't play Z, but you're just, you're, I don't know. That's just like, it's a reliability. It's a reliability thing for me. And I trust Evan Stewart mm-hmm. more than Trayshawn Holden to catch the ball. Just like sure. yeah. almost and kind of point blank on that. The X is such an important factor in the offense. You got to put your best dude out there. And like I said, Evan, he, he is an X. He can play it. He's just, he's not as tall and he doesn't, Necessarily fit the 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 draft profile that you want to see in an X receiver, but dude can ball when he's healthy. Yeah. He can ball. So I, I I think a lot of this there's there's four guys that we know are going to play, and the question then becomes: Does a Dicky, a Casper, or any of the incoming guys um, push their way where they have to play? We'll see. I, I want to say yes, but the last two years we felt like there'd be other guys that would play, and they just haven't done. Yeah. They just no, haven't. Done. We 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 thought Dickey would have some sort of a role at some point this year, and he just never did. I mean, well, and I, and we should note, like to be fair to Dickey, like he was hurt for right. basically eighty percent of the season, so like we should make that be known. Yeah, I, and yeah, and I think that's good. That's fair to bring up with with Jury on, but you know, I. I thought he would have more to Jared's point that between Dickey and Casper, I would have thought you would have at least 15 catches probably between those two players over the course of a season. And it, they have, I think how many did they finish with like two or three, maybe four. I, I mean, it, nice, it was, nice, nice. It, it was not a number that was indicative of somebody who was really valuable to your offense. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think Matt brings up a good point. I think that's one of the, the topics for the off season is three, three, Three catches for eight yards. So basically no production from those two guys. That's my, I think that's the big question at receiver going into the off season uh, here is, is do we see this rotation expand past four? Because under junior Adams, it really hasn't. Um, Do we think that, I mean, this is the first time I'll ask it and and sincerely expect maybe there's an answer different than hell no, but um Transfer portal makes sense here. Does it make sense to add another player, or does that create more problems considering we're just talking about how they already have their four guys and should they even – does it make sense to add another player into that discussion to you guys? No, not not one bit. Um, With Trayshawn – if Trayshawn Holden's your fourth guy, I think you're fine. Um, This is an offense that's going to prioritize Tez Johnson and Evan Stewart um, just like it did last season, Gary Bryan and – Trayshawn Holden, your third and fourth guys, I think you're good. Um, but, you know, they don't have to be 2020 or 21 Alabama where they got three first round picks on their roster. Um, I think that they're they're going to be just fine. Um, obviously, losing Troy Franklin stinks, but 
there's some good talent behind him. We just talked about it, where there's going to be actual guys who could contest for actual playing time during the regular season instead of the top four. So I think it's fine. I think slot's okay. You have Ryan Pelham as a backup and need be. Um, you can slide Gary Bryant. You can move Treshawn to the Z if Tez Johnson goes down with an injury or something. Um, you just need a guy to step up, and I, I think there's some real talent for somebody to step up back there. If you find yourself after end of spring football – where all your needs at every other position have basically been filled and you have an available scholarship and you find a guy that's on par of talent with the other four. Yes. That's the only way. That's the, I, I would like to see one. If, if the room is available, if the talent is available and that makes the probability of that happening very finite, like, right. Like it's, it's probably not going to happen, but if you have the ability where everything else is covered, and you can go get a guy that's the same talent level as these guys where it's, you instantly know he's going to plug and play. He's going to be productive. Uh, if you can find a fifth guy, then you do it because you just want the competition. And I guess just the last thing on that, from a numbers perspective, I don't know how much sense it makes to take a portal player because the only, I hate to use this term, the only quote-unquote player you would say could be dead weight in terms of a player you don't expect to play who's not a true freshman is justice low. So, and even if, even if justice were to leave, which I think could happen just based upon his role, probably rather allocate that scholarship elsewhere. Considering we were just talking about how they have four guys, plus a couple of other players that are talented enough to play. And then this whole freshman class, it's like, once you talk it out, you're like, you're kind of talk about already having hey, what's nine, your, nine guys. What's your recruiting? What's your recruiting pitch? Sure. Hey, you're going to be the fifth dude. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of people who are going to take that. No, you come in and say, "Hey, we lost. We lost our NFL receiver. Everything's open." I mean, that's what they pitch to all these guys, and it's to find the guy that that, that buys into that idea of I want to come in and compete. I mean, it's the same thing that they do with the defensive line the last couple of years when they've clearly had talent and they went and added guys, um, or at what they're doing with cornerback right now, like. Just because they've got four dudes doesn't mean they can't find someone better. And that's what Dan Lanning said to Pat McAfee a couple weeks ago. Like, our job is to go out and find someone better than you once we add you to the roster. And, you know, like, if they find someone that's better than Treshawn Holden or Gary Bryant, like, why would you not try and add that guy? Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but. Right. That's like, like after the spring portal, like. There's just not as like as high profile of players that were jumping out during the spring as there were during the winter, like after the regular season and then right. you know and postseason. So I don't know if that player will be out there. I'm sure they would they would but again it kind of goes to Eric's point. It's like, well, uh, if they have a scholarship, are they gonna use it on a wide receiver? Because they've gotten six or seven right. dudes where that's not what I said, but I I said if every other spot was full and they were good. Sorry, that was that was my bad. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that going as well i just i feel like they're i feel like they're set they needed an x they got their x and evan stewart and i would just be surprised if if they went after somebody could, uh, on the on the wide receiver like i just think that they're they're okay there all right moving on to tight end going to be another pretty straightforward one oregon returns its top two here, Terrence Ferguson, obviously back, Patrick Herbert back as well. 
Casey Kelly, who was the number three, and he played a bigger snap count than I bet most Oregon fans would recognize. Um, I think he played like 240, 250 snaps um, by the end of the season, which is a decent number, is gone. So that does open up something behind them, but pretty clearly the two deep here is Ferguson as the number one tight end, Herbert as the number two. I don't think there's going to be much discussion point beyond that uh, for that kind of the two deep part. The question for me now is what happens behind those guys and is Kenyon Sadiq ready is kind of my just broad question. Um, I think the answer will prove to be yes. Uh, obviously, they liked him enough to incorporate him in some cr fairly creative play calls this year. He was not on the field as much as I think fans would have thought. He played 90 total snaps of offense and he touched the ball on like about 10% of those plays, a little bit more than that. So it was kind of like he was out there almost on scripted situations where it was like, let's get Kenyon the ball because he's really athletic and great in space, as opposed to it being like, hey, we're going to try to you know run the ball up the middle. Let's get our best blocking group out there. Because I think that's the area with Sadiq where I get a little bit uh, nervous in terms of how much can he provide there. And I feel the exact same way about the two true freshmen, Roger Saliapaga and AJ Pugliano. So... Two guys you feel really good about with Ferguson and Herbert, who are very experienced players. A third you potentially have to rely upon a uh, true sophomore in Sadiq, and then you have the two true freshmen. So um, I don't even think I'm going to ask you guys necessarily about the number one, number two here, because I think that's so obvious. But what is your overall feeling on the rest of the room? And that could tie into our final question on the portal talk as well, just because this is a position where you could convince me to take another tight end just because you don't have an experienced guy. But I probably, not probably, I do lean feeling like if Kenyon Sadiq can't develop enough this offseason to be your number three tight end, that's pretty concerning for a couple of reasons in terms of what Drew Maringer is able to get out of guys. And then also with the prospect like Sadiq, who is very, very highly regarded, if by year two he's not more than a kind of a, 90 to 150 snaps total and kind of out there in special situations guy that to me would be a little concerning. So what are your kind of thoughts beyond Ferguson and Herbert? I wouldn't hate to see them add another big body tight end just because Oregon runs a lot of 12 and 13 personnel and you know, Casey Kelly wasn't the biggest dude in the, in the room. I think he was like 245 pounds, six foot three, but that was bigger than Sadiq. And so Sadiq obviously has all of this offseason to add, you know, 20, 25 pounds and turn into a real number three tight end. But, uh, you know, sitting here at my desk today, I wouldn't hate to, to see them add another big body guy because I don't think Salia Paga or Pugliano is really going to play um, all that much this entire season. Uh, and then they're also, they don't fit the big body mold. As well, I think that Kenyon Sadiq is a is a really good third string tight end. He provides something completely different than what you know Ferguson and Herbert do. He's just a better athlete and is more of a wide receiver like tight end than you know Ferguson and Herbert, who are your traditional who who can catch a catch a pass, but are more your traditional tight ends. Um, I wouldn't hate it, but I don't think it's necessary. Necessary. Certainly, there are other positions on the team that could use another guy or two in the portal rather than tight end, but. Um, I, I, I think Sadiq is certainly fine as your number three. Um, I think we'll see him be on the field more this year, obviously just because they're losing a guy. But 
you know, I think they need to just get his talent and his playmaking ability on the field regardless. Uh, I would, similar to Jared, like I think there's maybe a couple positions where an ad would make more sense. But if you find one, yes. Um, just to the point of like what Jared's talked about previously about like all the freshman defensive linemen. Like you don't want to go in relying on a guy that's got limited experience that played three dudes. Um, Sadiq played some last season. Um, is he ready to be that number three tight end? And he's not a big body tight end either, like what Jared said. So if you can find like a blocking inline tight end type player in the portal, someone similar to Casey Kelly, um, who's got one year of eligibility left so he doesn't really mess up the the depth of the of the room yeah you go for it um but you definitely have like if you only got like one or two spots that you can issue a scholarship out to like tight end isn't the one to use it at so if you're adding a portal guy it's because you know you've got three or four other you know positions that you can go out and and still find and add a guy to that room because numbers are getting tight numbers are getting it's hard. It's getting harder to add more players. Uh, they're well, well over the limit, which isn't a concern right now, but um, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll need to add, you know, you'll need to cut some, some guys off this roster and it's getting harder and harder to do that based off of clear path of playing time. It's a weird one because you also have to think about 25 where Ferguson and Herbert are gone and that means you're either turning that position group over to a Kenyan Sadiq, which is would be the argument for let's get him ready, let's get him some playing time, let's get him 300 snaps this season or something, um, let's incorporate him more in what we're doing, or could be the argument of let's go find a portal guy who has two or three years of eligibility. I mean, these are the harder players to find oftentimes because schools like to keep those guys. But if there's a, a portal tight end who's like, hey, I've got two years of eligibility in 24 I'll agree to be kind of the backup, but in 25, I plan on being the starter for a year. It's just a very spe- kind of specialized situation. That would almost make more sense just because um, by 2025, like Oregon isn't going to have Ferguson. They aren't going to have Herbert. And so they're going to have to have some sort of handing it off to somebody. And so is it Sadiq? And if it's not Sadiq, it's probably not going to be one of these two guys who we think are redshirting in Saliapaga and Pugliano. So um Kind of an interesting position group to think about when you go 2024, where you've got your two guys. But to 2025, there's there's kind of very unclear picture, which is sort of interesting when you think about this group. I probably lean not adding somebody. Trust that Sadiq can be your number three this year. Hope that by next year he can develop and then hit the portal pretty hard. Maybe take two couple of guys there. One of which maybe is your like a, a guy who's got a couple of years of starting experience at another Power Five school. Um, would probably be the way I would approach it, but we'll see. I think it's an interesting one, um, but I I think it's one you feel. I, and to just speak in broader terms, I think you like the top two guys quite a bit, and I think Oregon's going to enter the Big Ten having a very competitive set of of tight ends in Ferguson and, and Herbert, who Herbert, who I know statistically doesn't move the, the needle and who doesn't catch the football a ton, I think has like quietly been a pretty darn good kind of complementary. Mm-hmm supplementary piece for that position group the last two seasons. All right, let's move over to offensive line where I probably have the most questions and it's everything after the starting five because I feel pretty darn good about this being the unit. Left tackle, Josh Connerly Jr., left guard, Marcus Harper, 
center, Ayapani, Poncho, Lalalu, right guard, Matthew Bedford, the Indiana transfer, right tackle, Johnny Cornelius. I'm going to guess everybody feels like that's fine. Am I, am I right? Is that the right read that that's kind of the group? Okay. Um, the only position group where I would have really much of any, like from the starters, I should say, the only position where I would have any kind of hiccup would be just right guard with Bedford and is like, could theoretically Nishad Struther have gotten healthy and, and pushed himself to a position where he's ready to push Bedford for it? I just don't expect that to be the case. But I do think that's the one position where you've got a backup who at least has some starting experience. I understand it's at, excuse me, East Carolina and not Oregon. Um, but that was the only one where I paused even for a second because I think the rest of it is so clear. I mean, Connerly, Harper, and Cornelius are all returning starters. I thought all played really well this year. Poncho is, I think, an ascending star at center. I thought the fact that he played, I thought the fact that they had the confidence to play him in the bowl game and that he turned out, I thought, a really stellar performance in his first start at center is really encouraging. I think you look at him as the, the guy for the next two, maybe three seasons, depending upon how his career goes. So um, I think that's pretty locked in. But yeah, Bedford at right guard, just because he's new and Struther having been someone who started was the only spot I'd go like, eh, maybe but I still think Bedford with, with kind of what his career has looked like, I think is the, is the right choice. Okay. Now we go to the backups where I admit this is a lot more guesswork. I think the left side I feel comfortable with just because these guys played there a fair amount last year. And that's Feope Lalalu, Pancho's uh, older brother and Dave Iuli. Those guys were, were pretty clearly the, the backups this last year center. I have Marcus Harper just because I genuinely don't know who else to put there. Um, I know talking to Poncho before the bowl game, and I think you guys speaking with Harper down there, like he was clearly working at center as possibly a, a, a possible option, but I don't, I don't know. And the reason I'm even more perplexed is because after him, you're looking at Charlie Pickard and Cannon Rossi, a couple of walk-ons. And I just don't think I put those guys on a two deep with a lot of confidence. So I don't know. Maybe we can talk it out. Maybe you guys have some answers. Maybe you saw some stuff at the Fiesta Bowl practices that I'll be like, aha, I missed that. That makes sense. I already covered right guard with Struther. And then right tackle, I've got an or here, which is one of very few on this whole thing with Kavika Rogers and George Silva. Don't know a ton about either of these guys. Uh, I had originally had Silva over Kavika without making mention of Kavika. But then if you go back and look at the snap counts, Kavika outsnapped Silva last year. So um, that's the reason he's there. And, and frankly, like I've heard from a couple of people that there's some Kavika buzz that they think he can be a pretty decent player down the line if that opportunity arises, which you never know because there are other talented young players on the roster. So um, thoughts, pushback on the offensive line too deep. This is the one that there's probably the most room for there to be some. I'm good. I don't have any. Um, you, you look at what they did last year. Uh, they're returning, you know, nearly everybody from their two deep from a season ago, and this is how it was. You know, Kavika was the right tackle. Um, Silva would come in in even more garbage time. Uh, right guard, left guard. That can kind of just be the Dave Ayuli role that Poncho kind of was last year, coming at left guard for Harper or Jones or whatever the case may be, um, and then Feope or. You know, Jaquan McCroy, I guess, would be your your left tackles. Like that's fine. And then center is just Marcus Harper, and uh, you know, we'll find out who else it could be during the spring camp. You know, a guy like Bryce Bolton, who's a little bit more undersized, maybe not a guard, definitely not a tackle. Maybe it could be a center. Um, 
you know, there's some there's some other guys, but I think we're going to find out who's really like the third string center come uh, spring camp. But I'm good. I don't really have anything. Uh, Dave Ayuli, I think, might be the left guard, right guard backup. Um, if you look at the snap yeah. counts last season, that was Poncho. Um, I think Dave was the first interior guard off the bench in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, so I, I, I would almost put Dave instead of Nashad Strother at, at right guard, but Strother is a player that has past experience, start past starting experience at ECU was really good at it. So he's not going to go down without a fight. Um, I would also maybe the third string guy be either Fox Crater, um, or Devin Brooks, um, Leak Terry told me at the Fiesta Bowl, like Crater can play all th- all five positions. They're going to do that. They're going to try him at all five. They love his versatility. And then um, Brooks is an interior guy, and Terry is really high on him as well. So I would put probably one of those freshmen um, as the backup center. Harper being uh, Poncho's backup if if that pops up. Um, it's. This is one where we could see additions. We could also see guys leave. Like, like we it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of these guys on the on the second unit or third unit go through spring football and decide, you know what? Like the path to playing time is just not here. While I want to be here, it's just I'm, I'm gone. I I, I want to play. Well, and if you're Nishad Strother or George Silva and your seniors, and this could be your last year of eligibility, do you want to close your careers as second or third string guys on a team, or do you want to go transfer somewhere you can play? I mean, I think that would be a reasonable question. And I, I, Strother, just the fact that he's still on the roster, I think obviously he's going to go give it a go through spring. He would be a candidate, and again, I hate to have the list of here's who I think could transfer, but I think it would be logical to think he came here thinking he could win a starting job, it didn't happen in 23. And if it's not going to happen in 24, this is a guy who was a starter for multiple years at East Carolina. He can pretty clearly go find a, you know, a starting spot somewhere. And he can maybe even find it at a, at a smaller power power four school. Like, I don't know, Indiana might need a, a replacement for Matthew Bedford. Maybe that's a place I'm just kind of tongue in cheek. Maybe that's the kind of situation Nishad looks into. So I get that. And then in terms of another one that's had kind of a weird career is Dave Ayuli. I can't believe he's already a junior. Um, yeah. He played five games in 2022, and you kind of probably are thinking, I wonder if the staff was just wishes he played four and he was a redshirt sophomore because his career here could come to – he get to his senior year, and that would be his first opportunity to really start, assuming, you know, that obviously Harper and Bedford would be gone by 25 he's just had a strange career and he's somebody who I know they, they really like, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing they've had to kind of fight to keep him around. And I, he's another one who I don't know if he'll transfer or not, but I'm sure would be an attractive option somewhere else. He's a big time recruit who for all, everything I've heard is a good player. He's just been behind a bunch of guards and, and maybe he's quietly, maybe I, maybe I should have him in that right guard competition more. Maybe to Matt's point, maybe I should, have him as the backup to Bedford and somebody who could actually beat Bedford out for a job or something. I don't know, but his career has been, been strange, but maybe, he, maybe the, the argument that the, maybe the pitch for the staff is we'll make you the, the poncho this year. You can be our sixth guy. You'll play right. 350 snaps and then 2025, you can be the replacement for, for Harper or Bedford. I don't know, but his career has been strange. Yeah. I think 
the guard spots are there's going to be a change in the starting five. That's where you're going to see it. Um, you know, unless Poncho isn't the center that has been advertised, but I honestly don't expect that. But I think Ayuli could. I don't know. I think he could compete for a starting spot. You know, I think I really like Marcus Harper. I think that he's a really good offensive lineman. And if that's your worst offensive lineman, you're in a really good situation. Um, and Bedford can, you know, they can play him at left or they can play him at right. And maybe Dave Ayuli and Nashad Struther are, they, you know, they develop over the offseason and add some weight and uh, add some strength and they really push for a starting spot. But we'll see. Those are just like, I think guard is really the only position where I could see somebody challenging for a starting spot. They've played like double the snaps that Strother did. I, I think mm-hmm. so. I, I I think Dave is the clear cut reserve for the interior offensive line, and maybe maybe that's the third center option. Maybe yeah, could be. Maybe it's uh, hey, like you're you're gonna be the backup center, the third string backup center, and if something happens to Poncho, Harper slides over into the center spot, and you take his spot. Um, yeah, that's probably the enticement. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Maybe the argument is if anything happens to any of our interior guys, you're going to be inserted into the lineup because you're the backup for all of those and we'll move Harper to center. Or maybe Ayuli gets to a place where he can be the backup center. I don't know. He's just he's an interesting piece to this. Um, and then we've already kind of shot it down for most positions. I don't think the portal makes much sense here at all unless there is like an all-American caliber interior lineman available. Um, and if that's the case, he's going to have a lot more. He's going to have other options. And if you're Oregon, I think you just feel fine eating it and saying this is our group. Um, any objections to that? I, I I just don't see a need. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. So to tally up the portal talk, basically are like maybe a tight end, maybe a receiver and a pinch, and then everything else is like yeah. So I think offense is pretty much this could be the group based upon how we're talking. I would I would agree with that, and maybe maybe even more of a pinch of the receiver running back if some surprise name comes out there, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think although they didn't really add too many players in the portal outside of like you know Evan Stewart and the two quarterbacks, it's just the retention. That's why this was an easy depth chart, and they, you know they returned everybody who. Uh, you know, obviously, other than the guys who were going to be like a day one or day two draft pick, they got everybody to come back, and that's as big of a an addition as anything really could be in the, like or a transfer portal addition or a recruiting addition. The guys with real in game experience who know the system, who know the coaching staff, who know who knows what it's like to play at Oregon. I think it's the best addition you can really have. All right, it's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening. Look forward to doing another one on the defensive side of the football uh, sometime soon. But until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.